If you would like to support the podcast and get some extra content while you're there, head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast and sign up. From the rewatch to the Q&A, we will have loads of content every week. So sign up, patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast. And now, here's the podcast. Graham McDonald is an idiot. Sean Sheehan of severemma.com. He even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god. This is Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. The Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Welcome to the Severe MMA podcast. Here's your host, Sean Sheehan. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 390. I had to look at my notes for that one of the Severe MMA podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan, aka the Pod God, coming to you from the home of hurling Limerick. And I am joined today, you can probably guess by that intro, uh, by Ian O'Neill. Graham did a Derek Lewis on us. He pulled out about an hour before recording six, so get well soon, Graham. Uh, but Ian O'Neill joins me today from uh, from beautiful, the home of uh, Association Football Canada, to uh, <laughs> talk a little That's bit it, about the world of expression arts. Now geared up for the World Cup oh, over here. So, yeah, and we've World Cup preview patreon.com forward slash severe my podcast. Check that out. But before we get into all of that, before we get into all of the mixed martial arts, we must tell you that this beautiful episode of the podcast is brought to you by our friends over at Manscaped and it's never too early to play the holiday music it's never too early to start thinking about gifts whether it's for your friend or your friend in your pants you can make this season t- jolly with Manscaped do your little drummer boy a favour little that's what they say and use the lawnmower 4.0 to avoid another silent night in the bedroom then add in Manscaped's top of the line <laughs> myself and you, Graham usually don't have our uh, our cameras on but I'm just lo- looking at Ian hilariously laughing at my, my rant it's great it makes, it makes it so much fun ra- an R-rated read here as they say <laughs> an outrageous read uh, add Manscaped's top of the line shower products uh, as well and it'll say all I want for Christmas is you Santa cares about his sack and so should you looks nice when you get naughty and go to manscaped.com and using the promo code use the promo code severe for 20 percent off and free shipping absolutely screwed up most of that read but sure look you know what to do anyway manscaped's pattern package 4.0 is one-stop shop for the man who der- deserves it all it is everything needed to help you deck the halls from face to balls just in time for mistletoe season it is all the stuff you know in the performance package plus uh, ultra premium body wash ultra premium 2-in-1 shampoo and conditioner ultra premium deodorant which will get you smelling absolutely lovely from your Santy hat to your candy cane lawnmower 4.0 body trimmer and the weed whacker nose and hair trimmer feature proprietary advanced skin safe technology to protect your delicate presence oh jesus plus border waterproof so you can use them in the shower or whatever but don't get all your pubes all over the shower that's absolutely disgusting please don't do that there's also a 4000k LED light so it can light the way for Rudolph as well now you've groomed your candy cane make sure you're, you don't smell like a reindeer with the platinum uh Package shower products, which I just mentioned there, sulfate free, vegan, and uh, made to have your skin feeling hydrated and smelling fresh. But smelling doesn't stop at the shower. My personal favorites crop preserver, crop reviver, ball toner, can solve that stank. 
keep them uh, problems away all day. Once you touch your sack, you'll never go back. That's, yeah. The performance package for 4.0 uh, should be sitting under your tree this holiday season. It's the perfect uh, stocking stuffer. Stocking stuffer? Jesus Christ, how much are people spending these days? It's a perfect present, I think. Uh, and the brand new body buffer, sorry, is the perfect stocking stuffer. I read too quickly there. An incredible body scrubber that makes, I want one of them. Ian, get me one of them for Christmas. And it's uh, better than loofah. So use the promo code SevereMF, 20% off at free shipping at manscaped.com. That's 20% off at free shipping at manscaped.com using the promo code severe and manscaped get your balls ready for the holidays right you know let's get straight into it now we had a metric ton of mixed martial arts this weekend i remember thinking at one stage that the ufc card was the fifth best mma card this weekend and then you said to me just before they should the cage warriors was two cards so you could definitely argue it was the sixth best mma card this weekend <laughs> and that just tells you look it probably tells you and you could argue seven as well because I'm, I'm forgetting invicta because we're going to talk about that as well in, in a minute there was a lot of uh, mma on this weekend maybe not a gr- not a lot of great mma but there was loads of mma Next week we're coming up, as you uh, told me as well before we start. next week is Thanksgiving over in, in the States, so uh, there isn't much MMA, but we have a massive PFL card next week, next week which we'll be talking about uh, in a while. But what, which do you prefer? Do you prefer the one card, one great card like the PFL one is next week, you can concentrate on it, or do you like, I, I, I sat down on Friday to watch MMA and it feels like I've been sitting in the couch since, and it's uh, what, nearly 12 o'clock on Sunday night now, which, which do you prefer? Um, it's a kind of a mixed bag of what I I got this weekend because there was fights starting at four o'clock in the morning over here, and I was like, yeah, "There's no way I was going to be getting up to oh, watch poor a couple you of those. Oh, poor you! Oh, poor you! I knew you were going to say it, but um, I think you know, obviously losing the main event on the UFC card was a huge blow to that card, and I might have had maybe less of a tolerance to watch that card considering I watched one championship in Bellator at pretty much the same time on Friday night as well but a lot of fights on and uh, yeah I kind of agree with you the the UFC card this weekend was probably lower on the totem pole when it came to uh, you know a couple of good fights and and, and good storylines coming out of it but overall it didn't really mean too much if you didn't watch it you didn't miss a whole lot either and um, yeah, I think this is kind of that's just the the product of UFC fight night cards lately. When you when you have to fly to Canada as well to watch some of the cards, it's pretty much It's it's I hope pretty, you're not pretty too much. jet lagged. <laughs> I'm okay. I'll survive. I was in Canada watching one card and in Ireland watching another card at the exact same time. I don't know how I did that. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, shout out ExpressVPN. <laughs> <You're the best. laughs> you need to get them to sponsor uh, this podcast. ExpressVPN, if you're listening, I will. I nearly do. This is a free ad. I know you're so good. You're absolutely brilliant. It's the best ever. But yeah, like I don't like two cards at the same time because I can't. I can't watch two fights at the same time. Just you know the way I watch fights where. Like, I'm watching it from a judging perspective, an analytical perspective, and I suppose a storyline perspective all at the one time. And to try to do that to two fights at the same time is nigh and impossible. And as well, this week for the one championship cards, I was doing the reviews for Shardog, so I had to take notes. So it was just, it was absolutely crazy. And then I'm watching fucking kickboxing matches as well. I'm like, what's going on here? Like, no, I know whether I'm coming or going, but look. Even uh, a grappling match broke out in between, so that they did on one, one yeah. championship. So it was you know, crazy, it lasted 52 seconds or something. That was pretty 
really good. That Danielle yeah. Kelly, she's 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 good. Yeah, she's very very she good, very so very good. good. It was a pretty much over after after basically thirty seconds when she got her back and had a lot of time to work. But yeah, indeed, indeed. Uh, let's start so with Bellator because that was probably the biggest card of the weekend. I would say Bellator two eight eight. It had two big title fights. It had the the million dollar um, briefcase. Uh, on the line in the main event as well the undercard uh, I wouldn't say there was loads on the undercard a lot of the uh, the up and comers in Bellator won the, all the prospects Lloyd, Lloyd Anderson uh, Jordan Newman Sullivan Cawley looks that guy looks an absolute fucking beast if you don't know him you should get to know him Archie Colgan again won his fight Killis Mata won Eliev won to go 9-0 now Fernaldo or Feraldo Roman Feraldo did lose uh, we were talking about it on, on one of the shows this week I think maybe on the chasing back even um, on over on patreon.com forward slash severe on my podcast where myself and Ian look at all of the non-UFC MMA every uh, every couple of weeks but we, we did mention Coachelli was uh, an upkick I suppose in opponents and I saw a few people talking about the, the matchmaking in Bellator and how it's like can, 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 can legitimate fighter and it's too much of a jump to go from that to that you know and for Feraldo I, I don't know if you w- watch that fight is it, uh, intently in or, or not but it was one of those ones I was looking at it and when we talked about Feraldo in the past now we haven't done loads of analysis I suppose on him but I've done a few post shows and watched probably last how many fights fights he's had in Bellator um He's gotten a lot of, you know, fly knee knockouts, big one-shot movement, a very, very good fighter, but there's a process you're going to have to go through if you're that fighter and you reach the top level. There's no way you can keep fighting like that. There's no way you can keep knocking lads out with flying knees. It's just not going to happen. He goes in there against someone like Coachelli who can wrestle, who can box, who can fight in all different areas. He can't get the big knockout. Tiredness comes and then you have a lad who's, you know, 13 fights deep, four or five fights ahead of you in his career. And he's just able to do that bit extra. He's able to wrestle when he gets tired or do a certain movement when he gets tired and get out of certain positions in certain ways. And that hadn't happened in any previous fights. The guys were kind of just there to lose. I think a guy like Feraldo is still a prospect. You know, we actually we we obviously watch lots of prospects, you know, in Ireland and stuff, and we see this happening the odd time. You know, you saw it maybe even happen with Paul Hughes lost the fight to Vukicinic, came back, beat him, you know, beat the brakes off him uh, in the next fight. Although that was obviously a very very close fight, but for Feraldo, I still have a lot of high hopes for him. But the the kind of the movement of him as a prospect in this one didn't go great. Yeah, I think. Um you know, he learned a few things on uh, Friday night. I think uh, Cho Kelly fought a very good fight. He closed the distance, initiated clinch and the grappling, you know, um, and that's important to do against a guy like Fraldo is looking to kind of separate and fight on the outside, land those big, big, uh, big knees and, uh, and other shots that he likes to do. But that's it. He found, he found out, you know, that's a style that can beat him now. He's going to have to go back to the drawing board. He's going to have to kind of correct those mistakes. And, uh, you know, that was the first time he was outside of round two. Uh, All of his other fights have finishes. So sometimes, unfortunately, you have to uh, experience those losses. And he got, it was his first shot on on the main card and he faltered. But you know what? He'll come back. He'll learn from it. And and I'm still excited to see him again and, and, and what he brings to the table. 
He he fucked around and he found out is what exactly Absolutely. happened there. Absolutely, the common team in this <laughs> this podcast. Indeed, one hundred percent. Tyrell Fortune did the exact same thing. Lost to Daniel James. I remember his last fight. I gave Rakim Cleveland to beat him. I, I saw this coming. I really did. But Daniel James, the the, the blistering Welsh winger, comes in <laughs> and, and wins that one. Good performance by him and uh, a solid uh, TKO with the elbows and that one. Uh, Timur Kizriev looked very, very good beating Daniel Voichel. You know, 12 and 0 now moves through in that 145 pound division in the top two fights. Usman Nurmagomedov defeating Patricky Pitbull and Vadim Nimkov defeating Corey Anderson. Two unanimous decisions, two titles. Um, one, well, one defended and one won. Firstly, on, on Usman, look, maybe on both of them first. It, Bellator has been in a real stinky run, I, I would say. It's just, now, these were two good fights. You know, the, the Queely and Vincent Henderson fight was a good fight. You know, the, the Storley and MVP fight was a good fight. There's lots of good fights, but they just don't seem to be delivering at the moment. They just don't, like, you pick out maybe, I don't know, we could go through them, I suppose, but you could pick out probably the last 10 Bellator big fights, and you'd say probably nine of them have been kind of, not uh, stinkers is the wrong word, but we haven't had, like, fight of the year. We haven't had even nearly fight of the night in some of them. I don't know what it is. I, I mean, I, do you know what it is? It's just bad luck, really, for Bellator, because I don't think necessarily, you, you can talk about Feraldo, you can talk about other things, maybe being bad matchmaking or matchmaking we don't agree with. I don't think it is at the top of these cards. I just... Maybe it's actually good matchmaking. That they're putting lads in that are, are so closely yeah. matched. They're not turning into great fights. Have you any uh, idea what it is, or is it just bad luck? It's just bad luck. I mean, Bellator can't control what happens when the cage door closes and, and the lads go in. There's a couple of well-matched fights, but yeah, we are lacking a little bit of the wow factor in some of the fights, I think. Um, a little bit of the entertainment uh, as well. Although, you know, Nemkov and Anderson was was kind of you know, competitive enough and close. It wasn't one side or boring, but at the other end of the stick, it wasn't that kind of entertaining as well. And you could kind of, you know, the best fights are the ones that have momentum shifts and everything like that. And I think with these fights, you could kind of tell the way the fight was going to progress very early, which ultimately for us kind of makes it a little bit less exciting. I agree. The main event, you're dead right in what you said there. It wasn't that it was one-sided or wasn't a blow away, but I think it was... The momentum is what you you got 100% right there because it was close, close, and then Nimkov got the momentum and then Nimkov started to win a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more and just kind of took the fight away from Anderson. It was one of them. And for Usman or Magomedov, he just destroyed him from, from pillar to post. I'm, I still maintain that Nurmagomedov broke his hand in that fight because he just completely stopped throwing his left hand throughout the whole thing. There was very little jabs when he was fighting out of the southpaw. There was very little backhands coming when he was fighting out of orthodox. He just, like, from around the second round, he just absolutely stopped throwing it. But having said that, he's just a different level from, from Patricky Pitbull. Now, Patricky, I look, Patricky won the title, but I don't think anyone would say that he is the best lightweight in Bellator you know at the moment uh, is Usman I, fo- I suppose we'll find that out he's right up there though he's he's such a good fighter and a lot of people maybe think Sidon or Magomedov name he's not just a wrestler he can strike to Ian are you impressed with him? Yeah, very, very impressed. And I definitely noticed that with his left hand as well. I know we were talking during that fight. And, you know, if there was something wrong with it, or he definitely was not using it as much as he was at the start of the fight. But, you know, he, he made those adjustments and he still found a way. Um, 
I thought he fought very smartly on the feet. Um, you know, distance control was excellent, and that's important against a guy like like uh, Patricky Pitbull, who possesses some fight ending power, really. Um, and then, you know, at the times he chose to kind of close the distance and take the fight down, it didn't allow Pitbull to set and settle into the fight at all, I thought. And, you know, Pitbull kind of said that after the fight himself, opened up a nasty cut over Pitbull. I mean, he ticked off a lot of boxes. Um, you know, Patricky is maybe not the fighter he used to be, but he's still a very tricky fighter, a very dangerous fighter. And I think Norman Kamadoff just put on a really good performance and I'm excited to see how he progresses. Uh, you know, we have the tournament coming up next year, so I'm sure they'll probably do do the same as they did with the featherweight tournament, put him in the mix. We'll see him defend his title hopefully a couple of times next year, but uh, you know, very exciting guy and one that I'm always going to be looking forward to looking at. Yeah, I think when, and I would agree with all that, I think when he started out the fight, and he was fighting at range and he showed that he could kind of beat Patricky without really taking any of those big shots or being uh, in much trouble. But as you said, Patricky's always dangerous, but he didn't look in any danger. It was like, well, if he's beating him on the feet, we know what's going to happen. We saw what happened when the fight went to the ground. There wasn't really much. And you, I think most people in the know kind of got that feeling in the middle of round one. Oh, Jesus, this is going to be just five rounds of boring outside fighting. Now, it didn't turn into that. Um, Usman turned up the, the heat and ended up winning more clearly, as you said, cut up Patricky and all that. So a very, very good performance. Uh, but look, there's uh, there's a lot more coming and a lot more big matchups there for Usman. We will talk about them uh, when they come up. And in the Nimkov one, I suppose, finally, we, we obviously we mentioned it a bit, but very good performance here. Look, in the first fight, Corey Anderson was able to get Nimkov down I spoke about it coming in that a lot of that was to do with the transitions that Anderson was able to win those transitions. Um, and if Nimkov won him in this fight, or if Anderson won him in this fight, I think it'd be clear to kind of who the fight would go to, depending on that. And Or it could be close like the last one, and you know one person could win at once. It didn't turn out that way. Nimkov won all the transitions. You could see in the first round, everything, every time the fight was going for a takedown, every time the fight was almost hitting the ground, it was Nimkov winning it over and over and over. And then you, you got to like two and a half rounds in, maybe three rounds in, Nimkov started getting tired because he was fighting at such a pace. He was fighting a way more kind of power-heavy um, game plan in this fight as well. And Anderson just didn't have it in the tank to meet that and overtake it. And when that happened, it was it was Nimkov's fight from there on in because Anderson's only way of winning that fight was to hold out until Nimkov got tired and then win. And he wasn't he didn't have that in the tank. It's funny, you know, watching one championship this weekend, uh, and actually kind of said it on one of the shows I did for Shardog. You saw you watch my Thai fights or kickboxing fights and they're five rounds and you know a lot of the Thai fighters you often talk about I mean, the, the lads who are over fighting you know where the first round is you wait for the bets to come in you don't really do much and then you go up a level and up a level and up a level and it's it's something you can do in Thai fights it's something you can do in kickboxing it's something we don't really see in MMA and if Corey Anderson maybe had that sort of game plan in here maybe that's a thing that could have won him the fight now it's very hard to have that game plan uh uh, when Nimkov actually fights to a different game plan, so you would have needed to go to plan B very, very quickly, which is very funny because myself and Harry actually have this exact argument or our discussion as a podcast coming out in Speaker's Corner in the next two weeks. So uh, if, if you like uh, if you like that sort of discussion, Patreon is, is the place for that. But it's, look, it was really one of those ones where Nimkov fought so well it'd have to take a big turn from Anderson. Mark Henry was in his corner. I like Mark Henry. I think he's a very, very good coach. I don't think he's the best corner man in the world. I don't think he's the best, maybe, you know, 
game planner or being able to switch up a game plan and he wasn't able to do it here. Now, that's been very, very, very harsh there. You would need to be world-class. But we're talking about world-class. I think Nimkov, you know, I was looking, seeing the lads talking about the short dog rankings. Nimkov is, is going to be either one or two, I think, in the world in the short dog uh, light heavyweight rankings here coming up. I hope I'm not giving away any spoilers or anything. Lads. I apologize if I am. But I don't think that's maybe a spoiler to anyone, really, because if you were to put on the rankings... And you look at the level that Nimkov has fought and the wins he's had and the streak he's on. He's up there with Prachka. He's up there with Clover. He's up there with all of those lads. And uh, it was a very good performance from him. Uh, I thought altogether. Do you, who do you think is the best light heavyweight in the world? Here, we'll throw that one out, yeah. I think, honestly, looking at it, for me, it has to be Yuri Prachka. But I feel, you know, Vadim Nemkov needed to prove something to me and maybe to himself that he was able to compete at the highest level. And I think he did that against Corey Anderson on Friday night. Um, you know, he came back, he he came back with a new game plan, which shows that, you know, he learned lessons from the first fight and he fought, he fought that game, game plan perfectly. In my opinion, um, I think, you know, if, if I was, yeah, I, I would have to say Yuri Prohaska just basically is the UFC champion right now. I think he is the guy to beat. Um, obviously, we have Texera coming in here. I think he could probably beats Glover in the rematch as well. But I think Vadim is up there, top two, top three. He's he's right up there. And it, there's very little between all of those guys in the light heavyweight division, whether it be UFC or Bellator or wherever right now. Yeah, I, I would agree. I, I think it's it's probably the only division you could say that for, I suppose, at the moment. Um, and that's I think that's a good thing for the sport. So it's uh, it's interesting. We'll see uh, how that title fight goes on. That's that's the next UFC card, isn't it? Am I, or am I mistaken? That's UFC two A two, isn't it? Project? I think there's one more. There's a fight card in between that. I think oh, Stephen yeah, Wonder by Thompson and yes. Holland, and then that one the is um, December fourth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty good. We 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 did our we did our uh, look ahead once, and then we forgot to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're going to have to do but, that maybe next yeah, week. We love to, but I think these car they're so close. There's only like two or three weeks between them. We probably, you know, we'll yeah. be doing the preview show anyway for it. So it's all good. Speaking of the UFC, let's move over and talk about the UFC. I, I won't lie. I didn't watch all of these cards. Um, there wasn't, honestly, there wasn't enough on it for me to watch. There was more important things to watch this weekend. And, uh, you know, I think going forward, it's, it, you look at some of these UFC cards you look at other cards on in, on the weekend and there's only so much we can talk about on this podcast. There's only so much we can watch. There's only so much we can cover. And like sometimes you look at, say you look at the top or the bottom three fights here. We have Natalia Silva against uh, Teresa Bleda, Brady Heistead against Fern Garcia, Vanessa Demopoulos against Maria Oliveira. I'm sh- like, I'm sure there might be a good fighter in, in the six of them. And maybe someone will emerge out of that. But, like, I'll find out about them when they do emerge. Like, I, I just, I, I, I think it's a lot more, you know, fruitful for me to put in my time to watch George Hardwick or to watch Orman Shaban or to watch the people in one championship on the way up and watch those big title fights there or, or to watch the, the big Bellator fights or something like that. Now, I can watch them all and I'll, I'll absolutely go back on I have watched almost everything apart from the, the bottom of this UFC. But on a weekend like this and other weekends as well where, let's say, we had a massive Cage Warriors fight between Paul Hughes and um, uh, and Jordan Vucinic, like, we're going to spend the first 45 minutes of the podcast talking about that and we'll mention the UFC at the end of it because the UFC card isn't great. And this, look, this was made worse by the fact that Derek Lewis fell out of the card. But it was still, like... 
a, a horrendous card coming in. And do you know, I'm saying this now here because it's something I don't want to like continue to keep saying. Or the radio sees putting on horrendous cards, horrendous cards. I'm just going to start like covering it less and start talking about it less and start talking about the more important things more. Or like if we have a topic, you know, uh, like, like you know, we do the chasing back all the time. We talk for an hour, hour and twenty minutes. And it's it's brilliant. Like we, we talk, yeah. it's exciting. It's or myself, you know, myself and Harry go on and we talk about something on Speaker's Corner, a topic. Myself and Graham have done it here, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, looking back at things. And you know, there's loads of things to talk about in MMA. We don't need to talk about like these low level UFC car, uh, cards or fights that no one cares about. Now, you know, some people might emerge. Look, Jack Della Maddalena, he's a really, really good prospect, a really good fighter. Absolutely want to talk about him. Want to watch his fights. Kennedy and Juku, you could say the same. Is there anything I think, else? I think Natalia Silva and the first fight of the night looked very impressive. Looked like someone I would like to see again. Um, you know, an impressive spinning back kick knockout over Ter- uh, Teresa Blaza. And I think, you know, definitely if there was one to pick out on the undercard, she would be the one. Um, and, you know, she'd be coming into the flyweight division, women's flyweight division. And, you know, I agree with you 100%. Like, I... I'm judging how I feel about cards based. I'll watch them. I'll, I'll never be a person like it's, it, we have before. We, we've criticized cards, uh, but you can only truly criticize a card after you watch a card. And I felt very little after watching that UFC uh, last night. It was uh, like it was like being in one of those rubber life rafts and then halfway through it bursting and it started to fill up with water and as the card went on it just slowly started sinking and sinking and sinking <laughs> and my interest just started waning and waning I, and I started was, watching it to go in event did I bring it down to- <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah I, I but, uh, look at, it's, it, that's just the way it is that's how I feel about it now like you said there was a couple of great performances on it last night you mentioned Jack Della Maddalena fantastic performance against Danny Roberts um, showcased some brilliant boxing I don't think Muslim Salikov had a great fun performance over Andre Fajalio, um, kind of you know scuppered maybe his run up the up the welterweight rankings and, and kind of cooled the jets on. I know we we talked about Fajalio and he did show some great par- promise, but Fajalio is dealing with a problem where he looks absolutely phenomenal in round one and then just gases out rounds two and rounds three and and doesn't have it in the tank. So it's something he's going to have to figure out if he's have any chance to even break into the rankings in the welterweight division. I mean, when we're talking about Chase Sherman being in a co-main event of a, of a UFC fight night, that's that's where the book stops for me, I'm afraid. It's absolutely that dreadful. Fight, that was so bad. Like, that Waldo Acosta at the end of the second round, he was throwing punches, and I'm Terrible. like, it, lo- it looked like, you know, one of those YouTuber boxing matches or something. It was that bad, and he was winning. He was winning the fight. It was yeah. so, so bad. But just one, just one thing. You said there, we can't judge a card until it's over or whatever. I, I actually disagree with that, like, because... It, and, and I use Graham's truly, words. Tr- truly, I no, say, yeah, because no, you can have some crap cards that, like, if that's they're fine. all finishes, you yeah, know? That's, that's great. I agree on that point. But that's from an entertainment point of view. That's from, uh, did it, you know, did it excite you? Was it a fun night? But to, to use uh, to use Graham's word, what's, what's his word he always uses? What's Graham? Um, Jeopardy. Jeopardy. There's no Jeopardy on this card anywhere. Like, uh, maybe for Kennedy and Juku in the main event, which is, you know, turned into the main event code, and maybe for Jack Della Maddalena coming up. And look, there's jeopardy in every fight for everyone. But for me as a viewer, me as someone covering the fights, there might be jeopardy for one of these fighters in three or four or five fights time if they go on a three, four, five, five win streak. And then we'll be doing the preview. I'll go back and I'll watch the two, three, four fights, and I'll talk about it then. Now, 
people probably look at me and say, well, it's your job to cover it. It's your job to, to kind of do all of this. My, do you know what? It's my job to cover in depth what I think needs to be covered right now because MMA doesn't actually lend itself to be able to cover ever to, to for me or you or anyone to be able to cover everything in depth you look at some people like they never watch one championship they never watch Bellator they don't watch Cage Warriors they don't look at the young Irish people coming up and they only watch UFC grand you can cover Danny Roberts to I'm gonna go back and watch all of his fights before every fight, or Vince Morales, or Kevin Navidad, or whoever can. I just can't do that. I cannot do that, and I feel like there are more important things to be covering right now. Like it's not that I don't want to cover people who are up and coming. We're just go, we're going to talk about Cage Warriors in a few minutes. We're you know we 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 did forty five minutes in Cage Warriors two or three weeks ago. Even though Cage Warriors done nothing but give a shit since then, so maybe we shouldn't bother anymore. But anyway, uh, <laughs> I, I I just I, I what. Um, an editorial decision, I suppose, in this podcast that I've taken is to to try to do that. And I maybe this isn't uh, maybe this is not a great week to explain it because there is so much anyway. There's no problem doing that, but it's we have the takeaways now as well, where the two lads talk about it. We have the Q and A if people want to uh, throw in a question and talk about it or ask another question. But I, I really think the editorial nature of having an hour a week to speak about something, if there is so much. It needs to be things that matter more. And there's like a lot of these things just simply don't matter yet. Now, it's not that they don't matter. It's that they don't matter yet or they don't matter in the great scheme of things right now. And uh, and, and it's not really going to change either. No, and it's going to get worse. Uh, it's going to get worse. And that's it. It's just maybe as uh, as people that we've been looking at for the last good few years, it's an adjustment that we have to make because we're normally used to looking at the best coming from the UFC but it's just simply not happening anymore so yeah I think it's uh, very well said I'd have to agree and it's an, an adjustment I found really hard to make lately too um, where is like I, I did enjoy tuning in to almost every UFC card there was always at least something but uh, you know and there was a little bit of something there with the main event on Saturday night but when that falls off the card just really fell flat and um, yeah we just have to yeah. To kind of suck it up and go on. A hundred percent. When you're talking about entertainment as well, right? <laughs> There's probably no one you would want in a common event that's topping a shitty card to save it with some madness than Ian Kutilaba. He's the perfect guy because he tries his very best not to be insane and then it it fails for him every single fucking time it's like uh, he has a switch that whenever he gets hit onto the nose <laughs> <laughs> just the game plan goes out the window and he out just goes bonkers and it didn't do him any favours last night <laughs> no and look he's trained out of extreme couture as well it seems to be a, uh, a running theme here with extreme couture that just the game plan seemed to be just horrendously bad. Now, he just, I suppose he started with what you would expect him to start with to, to uh, go for the takedowns and try to get him uh, try to get him to the floor. But the fact that he struck with Kennedy at any stage, like, it didn't actually look like he had that much trouble getting Kennedy to the ground in any way. Like, every time he tried to get him inside, Kennedy, look, Kennedy defended well at times, there's no doubt about it. But every time he defended well, it took him time to, like, get to the cage and defend and push back out. Uh, there was a couple of times that Ian just, like, jumped in, caught a single leg, and it worked so easy for him. Now, he did get kneed on the way down with one, but that knee, it hurt him, but it was the mistakes that came after that were actually way worse than the knee itself. I think if he'd just gone back in, took a step inside rather than dropping his face down, dropped down 
once you're in there, catch the single leg and either take him down with that, which is unlikely, or push him up against the cage. He, the body locks were working for him. Uh, every time he he got in there and he kind of kicked the legs out from under him, Kennedy either had to defend for his life or he got taken down, like, every single time. And then he got hit with one knee on the way in, which was a very good shot, and then he just started throwing punches. I'm like... What is going on here? Why? <laughs> Just what is going on here? But in fairness to Kennedy, lots of fighters in his position there would have either given up the submission or got ground impounded or not thrown that knee and not be confident enough or thrown a looser knee that wouldn't have landed and just got taken down and dominated on top again but he was good he, I thought he was look he was everything that Kutalaba wasn't really he was trying to throw his technical shots they're getting better he's not the most technical striker in the world but they're definitely getting better he didn't go mad he didn't panic and he did the things he needed to do he showed his power and, and he went in there uh, and he got the finish after that knee and it was you know it was good stuff from him look uh, I struggled to call him a prospect he still isn't that good like I would say but yeah I think he, he's a fighter who has really found his way in his last two fights and it was a huge opportunity for him last night going in and as the main event and you know I think he sees that opportunity quite well he he left us with a memorable finish it was a nice finish in sequence, sequence with the knee I think it was a total of three beautiful knees in, in the finishing sequence overall and uh, capitalised on, on, on Kutalaba standing and banging with him and yeah, I mean, he's there. He's some, someone that we're going to keep an eye on now. Um, and I think, you know, he's steadily progressing. Obviously, it was you know, one step forward and two step backs in his early UFC career. But he's after coming in here with, uh, you know, a step up in competition and, and Ian Kutalaba, getting him out of there. And now he moves on to the next one. He's definitely someone that we should be keeping an eye on. But uh, yeah, he's going to have a lot tougher tests coming forward. Indeed he is. Indeed he is. Let's move on from... Uh, the UFC so and let's you know what we, we'll, we'll uh, talk about a, a bit of WI MMA here uh, there was a mixed weekend I suppose for the, the women of Irish mixed martial arts uh, D Begley lost over in Combatches Global um you didn't ever know what combatches. I, I don't think you've seen a full fight. I haven't seen. I saw the finishing sequence and I didn't. I, I look. It was one of those fights that didn't last too long. Anyway, D Begley got hit with a lot of big shots. Um, she got hit to the body ferociously. It kind of went viral. There was a lot of people talking about it. Unfortunately for D, but the opponent she came in against was very very tough. And then Danny McCormick got a very very good win over Invicta. Let's talk about D first. I know you've you've spoken to her a few times. She always comes across very very well. And you know she had a great amateur. Um, uh, you know, uh, uh, career and coming into a pro, it's been tougher, hasn't it, uh, Ian? What do you think? Yeah, of Saturday or it, Friday. It's it's tough because, like you said, we don't know a lot of the level of these fighters that come back here producing for for you know, and Palahan uh, kind of experienced it in his last fight as well. But yeah, D was on lucky here. Look, she came out after and she said there was no excuses. She said she had the best camp. She was feeling. Uh, in the best condition that she's felt in a long time. She looked in great condition. But you know what? Sometimes you can go in there and you can get caught with something early and you uh, you find it hard to make that recovery. And, and that's really what happened to Dee uh, against Marisa Sanchez. You know, that body that body shot that really kind of, it kind of upset her flow. She couldn't get settled. And Sanchez kind of capitalized on that, you know. And, and if that happens early in a fight, and it's happened to a few other fighters that we'll be talking about, maybe in Cage Warriors and to maybe Danny, who we'll be talking about next, you know, happened in one of her fights. It's hard to come back sometimes from that, but it'll be a good lesson for Dee. Uh, she'll come back. And um, yeah, uh, hopefully she gets another crack there at Combache. And um, 
she will uh, she'll get the win the next time. Yeah, I was just actually smiling there because I was looking at uh, the Invicta card here and getting ready to talk about Danny McCormick, and I was like, that was four days ago. It was like a week ago. And then, as I was saying four days ago in my head, it changed from 11.59 to 12 and went from the 20th to the 21st. Like, look, isn't it, isn't it right on, like, it's seven, it was, what is it, three o'clock your time now or whatever? That, is, yeah. that was the weirdest moment of my life. It's like I changed <laughs> She was wondering, you were smiling. I was like, what, am I saying something wrong? <laughs> it's like I changed time with my brain here. It was fucking so weird. But, uh, yeah, look, on, on, on D, she'd be back in a, in a tough loss there. She'd won three or four in a row before that, hadn't she, as well? So, it's, That's I right. don't think she's in, in danger there or anything like that. So very, very uh, interested to see what she does next and where she comes back at. Um, but for Danny, God almighty, I was so impressed with Danny McCormack. Um, I watched a little bit of Maria Mazar before this and I was, look, I was impressed with her, to be honest. She didn't have maybe the best record in the world, I think, eight and four. So not, not a bad record at all. But uh, I, I thought she was a good strike. And we saw Danny in her last fight uh, in Dublin where, you know, she got obviously... Um, knocked out heavily or was that the f- two fights ago no yes yeah, two fights ago she got knocked out heavily against uh, against Stephanie Page and then she lost uh, by split decision in the next one after that a close one obviously um, and you're thinking oh god she's coming in there against another striker but her striking look very good here I think Danny look she's still very new in her career in terms of I suppose adding that striking like I, I know uh, you know her husband is a very good kickboxer and stuff as well and they're working on it all the time but we've seen Danny I suppose talk about wanting to show that striking more in recent fights when the grappling was working well for her and you want you know you need to find that balance if you're going out just showing the striking and it's causing you losses or anything that that's probably the wrong thing to do but in this fight she went out there she showed the striking and offensively anyway it looked superb look i think she'd probably go back and and um and watch it and see a couple of issues defensively but not half as much i think as before this was so impressive by far the best performance from what I've seen of Danny Stannon of her career anyway and I think if the improvement we saw here is the improvement we see the next time and the next time and the next time come three four five fights time Danny McCormick is going to be a a very 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 good fighter so you know we talked about it before Ian Danny McCormack in Invicta, Sean Abannon in Invicta. We were we were actually only talking about it last night and the Irish female fighters coming through. Invicta is a great place from they put on good fights. Not easy matchmaking, but the right sort of matchmaking and this is exactly what it is. We can get into fight in a second, but great for Danny to get back to, uh, to winning ways and a great performance. Yeah, it was brilliant. You know, on top of everything else and showing improvements in her in her skill set, you know, to kind of overcome the mental hurdles that she's had to recently come over as well. And she spoke about that with us on the L Triangle. And after the fight as well, going from undefeated to losing two in a row, you know, to leaving Bellator, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty there. There's, yeah, and I can imagine I'm very looking forward to speaking to her again, maybe to kind of break it down with her exactly what she was going through. But to produce a performance like that against a really tough opponent as well, it has to be said, uh, it was, was, was great to see. I think, you know, she showed that she's improved in her strike and she hurt um, Azar early in the fight. And I think, you know, that might have been a little bit to her detriment where she might have been looking to land that shot again throughout the fight rather than maybe using her jab a little bit more. But she 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 defended the choke as well, pretty well in the second round. Uh, so it was round one and round three were clear for Danny. It was the 10-8 round and round one. And I mean, yeah, that, w- that will give her a bunch of confidence. She called for the title shot. I think she did fantastic on the mic after it as well. You have to seize those opportunities 
Ortiz we've talked about time and time again and she just did a great job overall and it's kind of great to see her back in form and I would agree with you that was that was one of the best performances that she's produced so far in her professional career and I think uh, it's a very exciting future for her and the strawweight division in Invicta as well of course we have Shauna Bannon in the mix there as well uh, and Valeska Machado who went on to win the strawweight tournament on the night as well so you know Danny could be looking at a title shot against her uh, in her next fight and that would be really exciting 100% uh, the one thing you mentioned the post fight press uh, or the, the post fight interview as well the fact the cage are just still not doing him actually turned off. Did, I, I don't know did George Hardwick do one tonight or not. I turned it off for him. He, but he didn't. He didn't, yeah. And none of the rest of them did on the way up. So it's just so fucking annoying. Why are cage warriors doing that? Just, I absolutely hate it. But on, on Danny's uh, performance as well for me, I, I agree with what you said. I don't necessarily think she was looking for the shot for the rest of the fight, but... Oh, wow, I, I think you're you are right in the fact that maybe she could have changed things up a little bit more. But that's one of those things you go back on and look at, and you improve the next time. It was very interesting because the power. I don't think I've ever seen that power for Danny before. I, I don't. We haven't seen that power from Danny before. I don't think it looks so good uh, in the first. Mazar did get the takedown uh, in the second, and that you know jujitsu defense from Danny was so good. She had the hand around the neck for most of the second round. Danny got out, defended it very well, and had a very good last minute. And then in the third, you look at that as well, and Danny got an early takedown in the third. She landed some nice ground upon and nice strikes after that when it got back to the feet. But then Mazar got the takedown herself, and you're thinking, Jesus, how good are the judges over here? Are they going to fucking be giving that late takedown to win the round? I know it shouldn't, but what happened then when Danny got the fight to the ground, she just started elbowing the fucking shit out of her from her back. And, uh, do you know, Danny McCormick listens to the Severe Man podcast and she, you know, she's a Patreon, a Patreon subscriber. And I, I, do you know, I'm taking, I'm taking a bit of credit for that one now. I feel like the judging talk, she worked from her bottom. It's, she worked from the bottom. It makes, it's more, what you, as Brad Wharton said tonight, it's more what you do with the position than the position itself. And she clearly won that, uh, post takedown fighting, um, at the end of that round and clearly won the fight for me and she absolutely did so shout out to the judges they got it right very good performance what from Danny of the uh, open scoring in the fight we had open scoring yeah. on, on the night uh, look I, I'm far open scoring if there's basically no one in the crowd if there's no one around if there's no madness if everyone understands the scoring criteria I'm absolutely for it the problem with open score there's, there'll be no problem with open scoring in a local show or, or something like that absolutely none at all the problem with local open scoring is when you get to the big shows when you get to you know UFC Russia and Habib is fighting or when you get to, to Bellator Dublin and James Gallagher is in the main event everyone thinks it's close comes into the fifth round and he's 3-1 down you know that's that's it. that's the problem with open scoring and we've many other problems as well I, I'm not I'm not totally against open scoring if if, if, if the education is there. And we're, MMA fans love throwing out education. We love throwing out that word. But if everyone understands the scoring system, I have no problem with it. The problem is when people don't understand the scoring system, um, all that open scoring does is, is have more of the same problems we have at the end of fights, but now just during the fight. So, but you know, when everyone's at the end of the fight, they're incredulous. How did they get that score? How, how, how did they get that score? Now we get it after the first round. We get it after the second round. <laughs> so it's I I don't I actually don't understand uh, what it uh, achieves. But uh, anyway, we will. Uh, 
I suppose that's a longer chat. Like for it didn't, day. it didn't visibly look at the fights. It didn't seem to affect uh, any of the fights whatsoever. Um, I don't think anybody kind of upped their performance or downed their performance. Um, to be honest, looking at the, when the scores were coming in for rounds one and round two, obviously rounds three was left to the official announcement. But uh, yeah, interesting. Uh, yeah, interesting kind of to look at it and see that open scoring and uh, kind of know what way the fight is going as as we we're watching it. But yeah. uh, uh, sure. I, I kind of like the I kind of like the mystique of not knowing, as as they say. Yeah, I'm. That, I've never really made that point myself. I'm arguing open scoring. I definitely understand why people do say that, and uh, I get it. And you know, we've often talked about MMA and to safeguard the future of MMA, we need to keep it exciting. Especially what we just talked about a few minutes ago. There, like MMA is becoming less and less fucking exciting all the time in terms of what we even want to tune in to watch. So. Uh, is could that be a part of it? Absolutely. I think if you leave that aside of the argument out, even though I don't necessarily agree with it, I I, I don't think I think it's foolhardy to leave that sort of side of the uh, argument out. So I think you're right to say that. But yeah, look, it's interesting to see it. <laughs> it's funny though. I, I've spoken to uh, was this on in Kansas? Let me just see. Uh, in Colorado, Colorado. Yeah, I've talked to the the Kansas. I actually had him on the podcast for a few. If you search it, there you'll be able to find it. But. Um, a lot of the data that come out came out. It was very much shown to be pro open scoring and showing to. And I actually went through it and I had a discussion with him, and uh, I just like it, I, I could easily go. I was actually did in messages. I could easily go back through them again and find out exactly what it was. But like the stats out there that are very pro uh, open scoring are actually massively deceiving. Like massively deceiving and easy to tear apart if luckily like me you've a, a degree in maths and economics and I've done a lot of stats and I can actually look at them and I don't think there's many of them around who know a lot about MMA and a lot about fucking stats so uh, yeah anyway we will uh, Jesus I, I I always swore I'd never get into this open scoring debate but here you have me in you got me into it you're I gotcha you're I gotcha let's talk about Cage Warriors and um, we are just after watching it here only an hour or so ago uh, it was a brilliant, 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 brilliant double card. Um, knockout after knockout after knockout after knockout. Uh, we, only one decision on the whole thing. It was a split decision. It was a close one between Marc Charrier and Daniel Bazant. But the rest of them, just, Jesus Christ. Let's talk about the, the, the we go from the bottom to the to the top. Um, tough night for Team Rhino. Paddy Wilkinson knocked out 43 seconds with a massive head kick uh, against uh, Milton Cabral. Uh, and in the standing TKO for Adam Darby, who looked so good uh, in his debut last time out against Mush Alassani, who looked just absolutely crazy in the fight with his eyes wide open and walking forward. Jesus, uh, for Paddy, you know, it's his pro debut, that big step up in cage wars, you probably want kind of... And he hasn't fought in, what, four years, uh, you know, since, since he fought as an amateur. You probably want one of those fights where you maybe work your way into it. You're, you know, you're, you, you know, you get to take your time. And next thing, after 42 seconds, you're on the ground looking up at the lights and there's a lad coming down, throwing fucking ground upon that. You're really, really tough, sorry. You'd have to feel for Paddy Wilkinson, uh, you know, wouldn't you? Oh, definitely. Yeah, it's, uh, it's unfortunate. Like, you, you, you kind of said it perfectly there you need to kind of settle into the fight. And and it's kind of hard to do that, like you said, after a four-year layoff. Plus, you're coming in as your professional debut against a 4-2 and two guy with a lot of experience as well, which is not easy to do. 
And uh, look at he, he just learned a lesson, and unfortunately, yeah, he ended up getting uh, getting TKO'd. Uh, he'll be back. Um, I'd like to see him against a similar kind of uh, experienced opponent the next time. He deserves that other crack at the Cage Warriors. And to be honest, you know, the same thing could be said about Adam Darby in the next fight as well. I thought that stoppage at uh, when I saw it first, I was like, oh, geez, I'm not sure about that. But every time I watched it, I probably watched it five or six times. It looks better and better and better, to be honest, from, from Daniel Mavahedi. Uh, Mushal Asani comes right down the middle, hits Adam Darby with a big shot. It clearly rocks him. He takes another step. He's clearly still rocked. And Mush is just about to throw another shot. And he's wide open for it. Now, if anyone heard the podcast last week where we were talking about it, when you're wide open for a shot and you do not... Um, you know, do not have the ability to block that shot or not cognizant to it. I'll give you one of them, maybe. I will give you one. But if you're taking a second one, not for me. The problem with this one is he was standing there and you could see him winding up and he's after already hitting him with a fucking exocet down the middle. And there's a second one coming. And to me, this was absolutely brilliant refereeing because this is the sort of one you look at first replay, you're thinking, oh, Jesus. Or, or live, you're thinking, oh, what? And then you're thinking, oh, Jesus. And you're looking at the second one, it's like, fuck it, that's, that's actually brilliant. He saved that man there. He really, really did save him to fight another day. This, this, I said it at the time over in the group chat, this was either a terrible stoppage or a great stoppage. And then I saw the replays, and I think it's bordering on great. I really think it's a very, very good stoppage. What do you think? And we have the, we have the luxury of looking back at it a couple of times and in slow yes. motion as well. And Mavetti did excellently well like, I, I, you have to say to make those calls in the split second and in the middle of the madness as well is very hard to do and I think he called this perfectly it's like when you're talking about these kind of stoppages I always think about what's next like and what you don't want to happen next and obviously we had it with Israel Adesanya as well but in reality all it takes is one more and it could be it can turn from a standing TKO to an absolutely devastating knockout, and we don't want that. And Adam Darby certainly doesn't want that either. So early into his career, you know, he'll live to fight another day. Credit to Andy Ryan who came into the cage and was kind of saying saying to the ref as well, "Good stoppage." He agreed with the stoppage, and you know, Andy always calls it as it is. So credit to him for that. And unfortunately, Adam he just didn't get going. Kind of you know. I think Asani kind of went in and said, fuck the feeling out process. I'm going to kind of come in and put the pressure on you. The same as Cabral did to the Wilkinson in the first fight. And that's the thing. You have to be ready to go from the first bell. And I'm not saying the guys weren't, but, you know, they just kind of got caught with those shots. And these things happen and they'll bounce back and they'll be competing and they'll learn from it. And it'll be all good. And I'm just glad that, you know, Adam didn't suffer... Uh, like I'd say, you know, because it was so early into the fight, if that maybe had been a little later into the fight, he might have dropped. His legs were still strong. It was basically the first punch of the fight. That's a great point. So, yeah. you know, I think it was a really, really good call uh, to stop the fight. And I think the replay has kind of just doubled down on that opinion as well, if you look back on him. Yeah, it must be tough too, the fact like your teammate who's at the same weight class as you has just got knocked out. Like... That can't be easy. That really, really can't be easy to take, prepare for your fight, and then set. And we know the way Cage Warriors move. It was, I, I was looking at uh, an Andy Ryan in the cage after a fight, and then I'm looking at Andy Ryan. Oh, jeez, he's back in the cage again, like straight away. You hardly get time to blink. That must be very, very tough. But look, as I said, the two lads will be back. As we'll talk about in a second, we have an, an Ireland card coming up here as well, so I'm sure they'll be on that card. So at least, look, there's something to look forward to after this in terms of the next step. Um, 
the rest of that uh, there was kind of a double card here uh, with Cage Warriors and uh, the fights went so quickly that there was like massive amounts of time between fights which is well, what can you do I suppose uh, Matthew Bayfield beat uh, Daniel Liadro in, in the next fight kind of just beat him down ended up ground and pounding him and then Matthew Bonner beat Alan Carlos look Alan Carlos has been around a long time he's not what he used to be and it's a good win back on on, on the road for uh, for Matthew Bonner back up at 185 I think that's the best way of grass for him if I'm being honest and uh, uh, landed some lovely uh, um, left hooks and lovely ground and pound here so a good performance from him um we had uh, Eric Silva lost to Jan Quahiggins and uh, Will Curry looked very good against Mike uh, Chimu after getting knocked down in that. But I suppose the three biggest fights won the card. Well, the two biggest fights in Amran Shaban as well. Amran Shaban, look, he looked much improved. He was fighting George McManus, who, look, George is a good fighter, and I say it all the time, he's a very, very good test. And I think what Amran Shaban showed in this fight is that he is over and above a test like it's 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 hard to tell exactly where Amran is after this performance in terms of the top level of the division but what it does show is he's ready to move towards the top level of that division because you don't do this to George McManus unless you're a very good fighter as we've seen before and he put on a destruction against George McManus, jabbed the face off him, looked so good, and went in there towards the end of the fight. Like, he could have he could have just jabbed his way to the decision here. Let's, we're, we can all be honest about that. There's no problem with that. But he didn't. He went for the finish, and he landed that beautiful body shot, right-hand body shot down the middle. You usually don't see the right-hand liver punch. It's always usually the, the little left hook or maybe a teep to the body or something like that or a kick to the body. But it was the right-hand liver punch knockout. Uh brilliant from Amran Shaban I, I, this was look it was the best uh, display of his career for me I thought he looked brilliant let's not go overboard in terms of and I know Chris Fields will be saying the same thing George McManus is a good fighter but he's a good fighter to look good against as well and if he can look as good as this in fights going forward by god he looked very fucking good were you impressed? Oh, very impressed. Very, very impressed. I mean, he got drawn into the grappling exchanges, I think, a little bit too much in round one. But the ability that he showed to come into round two, kind of keep level-headed, keep patient, keep his distance and get off that jab. And it was the jab that was the winning of the fight for him. You know, he got comfortable landing that jab and was busting up the face of George McManus, then introducing combinations slowly into the round two. Round three, introducing the body shots was the final piece of the puzzle. Um, Excellent, excellent kind kind of fight IQ, uh, game planning, not to kind of get excited or rush for the finish as well. You know, we've seen we've seen the likes of a couple of fighters kind of rush a little bit too much. I think um, the, the guy I was thinking about was Eric Da Silva, kind of rushed his finish a little yes. bit. He kind of came steaming in. You've seen what happened in that fight against uh, Quay Hagans. I think Omran did very well to kind of cool the Jets. Uh, he knew and, and his confidence built as the fight was going on that he was the better fighter and he got a beautiful finish very clean work and he he needs a good jumping competition next and I'm excited to see him and I'm sure we'll probably see him on that Dublin card next year oh I think we will I think we will I'm looking forward to seeing that um, <clears throat> Morgan Shariad in I wonder will we be seeing him in the Dublin card I wonder if Paul Hughes is looking for an opponent could it be uh, could it be Morgan getting back in there um, look 
this looked like a setup fight. It didn't. It didn't feel like that once the fight happened. Um, split decision, and you know what? It was one of those ones that I was looking at it afterwards, and they were saying in commentary, "Oh, Morgan has it, and he has it." And I was thinking to myself, "Does he fucking have it?" <laughs> you know, the first round was very close. I know that Sharia had the better of it for maybe three and a half minutes, but what Bazant did in the last minute and a half ish of that round was some very very good work there. Now I thought the decision was right. I thought Sharia did win. I thought he won the third as well. That third was uh or sorry uh it won the second the third was very very close as well but it was um it, it was one of those fights that could have gone either way sharia just got look we, we were talking about this in, in the, the chat a little bit sharia to me was fighting a three-round pace here and it worked well for him in terms of his offense but defensively he kept getting hit over and over and he kept getting not only hit he looked rocked he looked like he was going to get knocked out like multiple times and now he didn't so okay it's, he's kind of coming back and he was fighting normally after that as well but this was um it was it wasn't the best performance in the world but Shari he got the job done a good performance from Byzant as well but you expect more I suppose from Shari yeah yeah Byzant fought very well uh, in the fight but I think Morgan Sharia kind of allowed him to fight well. I was kind of waiting for Sharia to kind of pull away as the fight was going on, and it never really happened. You know, he was making peculiar decisions where he was kind of connecting on the feet and then going for the takedown, which which opened up scrambles that Bazant was kind of able to capitalize on on times. And the fight was very close. There's no way I'd argue that split decision at all. Um, I don't feel that Sharia fought to the level that he can fight. It felt like he maybe had the weight of, of pressure on his shoulders, perhaps. Maybe not sure of himself, obviously coming back from a couple of losses as well. But, um, I mean, I would be expecting maybe that win will give him that confidence back. I'm, I'm looking forward maybe to seeing what he's like. But definitely from what we've seen in the past, it wasn't maybe a performance to write home about from Martin Sharia, but an important win all the same against a, a tough, durable guy at the same time. And uh, yeah, if if Paul Hughes is sticking around for one more, that would be, uh, that's the, we kind of have the perfect opportunity. Do you reckon with Morgan Sharia, you know, he was on the precipice of joining the UFC so much and then to have fallen. And, and uh, you know, it's something that Jordan Fusenich is going to have to deal with now as well, being so close and, and obviously losing to the likes of Hughes. And unfortunately, guys have to experience that, but it can take a little bit of wind out of your sails. It can kind of take away a bit of your belief. And, uh, you know, it's not easy to kind of get back at it and get those wins to kind of build yourself back up to get to the UFC, especially in Cage Warriors. I'm not sure about Charlier because he keeps signing new Cage Warriors deals all the time, like whether he wins or whether he loses. It's weird. I, I don't notice he wants somehow to. He, somehow he managed to get behind closed doors. He still managed to get fans into the court, did, like cheering him as well. So fair play to him. They were the loudest fans in the place. But yeah, I, I, definitely for Vucinic, I would agree with that. But for, I don't know for Charlier is the simple answer for me in that. Like... I don't know, he seems like the sort of lad that might be happy enough fighting away in cage or he's probably a good contract with him because if they go to France, he'll earn a lot of money for him, you know, there. And you see uh, Graham Bylan, G-R-A-H-A-M, Bylan, um, <laughs> put out a thing recently about their Twitter interactions. And uh, I was thinking, lads, someone should be paying me for my Twitter because I have more Twitter interactions than you, you fuckers. But a lot of that, I guarantee you, is based on, on Charrier. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know really what, do you know what's massive for Charrier, I think, the next fight? Because... 
it's, it's, he's one of those lads that he's not the youngest in the world in terms of like he's not some up and comer he's had 25 fights now as well you don't fight for free um, like, okay he's 27 like, so he's not some baby or anything like that but uh, and he's not old to, to, per se but now is the time as you say like now is the time for him and, and maybe that that big fight against Hughes the, let's talk about the men of we'll, we'll talk briefly about the the uh, Cage Warriors Dublin announcement because we're going to do a full podcast on that this week so we want delve massively in that but anyway we'll talk about that in a second Hardwick against Bungard I actually don't think there's much to talk about in this one um, it was the fight we expected I suppose bizarre matchmaking uh, Brad Wharton even said it in the, on the uh, you know on, on the broadcast I wonder were they just struggling for a fight were they struggling getting an opponent for Hardwick were they struggling for someone who made sense and next thing we have Chris Bungard like Aineen is absolutely brilliant at bringing in like unknown people to fight in main events uh, or fight for titles or fight just in big fights the problem with this was this wasn't an unknown guy this was a known guy and we, we everyone kind of knew what was going to happen and to be honest, I actually thought it brought George Hardwick down a little bit. Uh, I didn't think he looked great. In the, like he, he needed to absolutely destroy Chris Bungard, and um, it you know it took him nearly three rounds to do it. Um, yeah, no, I was I was uh, not that. I, I think it's a little harsh. I think it's a little harsh. I think he looked he looked good. I mean, Bungard came in and he did what you're supposed to try to do against a guy like Hardwick fight on the front foot get Hardwick moving backwards kind of get him off his game a little bit not get let him get settled into the fight but it was the leg kick that kind of messed up that game plan for Bungard and then you know Bungard had an inability to kind of check those leg kicks they kept kind of backing him up and backing him up and slowing him down and, and hurting his movement and then I think George Hardwick kind of smelled blood. Um, you know, I had a, I had a feeling it wasn't going to probably go past two rounds. Uh, you know, he slowly, slowly upped the pace. George Hardwick did um, landed some beautiful body work, and yeah, trademark left hook to the body was the was the final blow. But I mean, if you're Hardwick, you're going to have to be looking to try and fight better level of competition of this, whether that's in Cage Warriors or whether that's away from Cage Warriors. If it moves to the UFC, is now the time for him. Um, he never was in bother against Chris Bungard. You're going to need to get better tests from that at that stage of your career. So it'll be interesting to see what's next for him. What do you think is next for, for, for Hardwick? Well, there, there's two things I'd like to see, right? So for, first of all, we have Cage Warriors Dublin coming up the tree arena, the April 29th, right? The tree arena. And you'd need to sell tickets for that, right? Now, first of all, I, I would love to see Joe McCulligan versus George Hardwick. I, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think Joe's going to come back. I, I, I was trying to get Joe back myself tonight, but it's, I don't think it's happening. Um, I wonder, I would just wonder if we might see a super fight. Paul Hughes versus George Hardwick. Featherweight champion versus lightweight champion. Conor McGregor. Part two, you're going up, you're taking the two belts that Conor McGregor had, you're standing up in the cage, you're getting signed by the UFC. Like, if you're fighting in the three arena, Cage Warriors can afford to pay you more. If you're selling tickets to be in the big main event, the super fight, they can afford to pay you for one last fight before you go to the UFC. Now, it's a big risk. Maybe you get signed for the UFC, you wouldn't need to fight George Hardwick, you need, wouldn't need to go up and wait, you wouldn't need to do all that. But, uh, yeah. What Jesus, you, that's... You that's a great fight but like you said is it is it is it worth the risk does a does a fight 
against a rematch against Sharia kind of do maybe more for him, which is a lesser risk, you know? That's what I'd be looking at. But my goodness, I never even thought of that until you said it. And it's a very interesting... But you're right. You're going to have to stack that card. I wouldn't be disappointed if they put all title fights on the main yes. card there. Yeah. And it should be something they should be looking at doing um, for me. And there's opportunities there to put some Irish guys in the mix as well. I think, why not? Let's, let's stack this card. This first Cage Warriors card since the Cork one in Ireland. Lots of talent on the roster. Let's let's stack the shit out of it and let's pe- get people in the gate. And they're, like you said, they've got to do that. So it's going to be very interesting to see this card unfolding. Yeah. But uh, yeah, my goodness, Paul oh, against like George is like uh, like it's a spicy one. Oh, it's spicy. <laughs> it's very spicy. We leave it at that now because I said we will have another show on this. We're going to maybe go a half an hour talking about this. There's no Q&A this week because I forgot to put out the ball. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be honest so we're going to do that we'll have that Wednesday morning out on Patreon do you know what if if do you know what if you retweet this podcast and go Jesus Sean and Ian were great and five people do that I'll put it out for free so that's all it's only five people quote retweet the podcast you'll see it over at Severe Mayor at Sean Sheen Beer at Ian O'Neill anywhere you find it Jesus at Sean Sheen Beer at I O'Neill MMA were great with the retweet the podcast and I put it out for free on, on Wednesday morning so there you go you can have that right Ian one last thing to talk well two quick things to talk about I, I've done reviews of the one championship card so we won't go massively into them but maybe a quick um, a quick look back at them uh, I thought it wasn't a great decision in the um uh, Ruslan Imelbek versus Izzy Fitikefu uh, fight. I thought Fitikefu won that very very close fight there um, Jaewung Im does what Jay Wong Im does and knocked out uh, Kevin Bellion, one of the best counter strikers uh, in in the world of MMA. He's absolutely brilliant. Um, Steve Lawman beat Bibiana Fernandez. I would have had four out of four bets getting got right this week only for Steve Lawman. But what a fighter he is! Like Steve Lawman, I think he should be up there, seventeen and two now in his career. I know there's probably a lot of people listening to this don't know who Stephen Lawman is. This guy is legit as they come. He's very, very good. Right, seventeen and two, and he he he's hasn't lost since two thousand. Uh, he lost in two thousand sixteen. Lost in two thousand and thirteen. He's beaten Franz Malambo along the way. He's beaten uh, twice. He um. He obviously beat Bibiano Fernandez. He's been in one championship now for a good, good while. He fought over in Brave. This guy is very, very, very good. And if you don't know him, you probably should know him. And then Christian Lee in the main event. If you haven't seen this fight, this is probably the fight from the weekend to, to watch. In my opinion, Herb Dean did what Herb Dean does. This should have been stopped in the first round. I thought this was horrendous. I thought Abasov won it. I thought he was... Uh, you know, going to hurt him really badly. But Herb Dean let it go, and Christian Lee came back, and he finished him. Uh, and unbelievable! Like you, you saw this fight, Ian, didn't you? This was comeback of the year she, territory. Unbelievable comeback from Christian Lee. We've seen him. We've seen him produce this before, but you cannot cre- question his heart. I mean, Unreal. for a, for a young man, you know, he he Am- uh, Abasov gave him every kind of opportunity to get out of that fight and he stayed, stayed there Herb Dean gave him like you said every chance as well uh, maybe Chatry had a little bit of word of a word with Herb maybe before the fight you never know but, um, <laughs> I, I, I can neither confirm right. allegedly, <laughs> allegedly. But I, 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 I do think generally one championship 
Archon like look let the fights go and they're also yeah. like they, you know the yellow cards if you're not fighting and things like that I think they do try to be different and I do think they want their referees to be different as well so I, I don't think it's in the hide necessarily to be honest no, so, no. and Ch- like Chattery always wants to give out the 50 the 50k bonuses and he is about excitement and uh, you know it does like he definitely puts pressure on the refs to give out those yellow cards action 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 and there was plenty of action in that kind of main event Christian Lee now to me is is one of the most exciting prospects in MMA right now I, I really enjoy watching his fights That's he picked up that was his second championship second so belt, yeah. is, and Abbasov yeah. missed weight so he, Christian Lee was going up from lightweight to welterweight his opponent missed weight at welterweight and he still beat him and won the belt. So fucking, that's some achievement. Brilliant. And now I guess that fight will probably likely set up a fight between Roberto Soldic and Christian Lee. There's two which... options here, I think, because Soldic is fighting coming up pretty soon. He's fighting on the next card, which is in two weeks' time. But on the other card that happened this weekend, Sagidis Magaev won and beat Shinya Yoki at lightweight. So if Soldic wins his fight, he's probably the option of welterweight. Um, but Saldic, I think Saldic's actually up the he way he's above. Mid, he, yeah. he could be coming back down because you know the way one championship is with their weight classes. Who knows what fucking weight class they're at? But Ismagayev is as good as fucking Saldic. He is a fucking beast. So Christian yeah. Lee might have two of the hardest fights kind of, in the it's world. It's a double-edged sword that he's on right <laughs> yeah, now, isn't it, Christian Lee? Oh, uh, stop. You're ta- your poison. I hope he's getting paid well because these, you're talking about quality outside of the UFC and maybe people not meeting the same level. God almighty, he's meeting a serious fucking level of fighters here. Like, he's a guy of 22 and 2. I've watched a lot of his fights because he's, you know, I've been covering these one championship cards and, you know, okay, he fought Shinya Aoki this time, which was just a destruction. Shinya actually started pretty well. He was throwing these big, uh, big head kicks and things like that, but he immediately kind of got taken down and destroyed. Shinya is the type of guy who forgets what it's like to get in there and fight and he's like all action until he starts taking punishment and then he's like, oh shit, Fuck. I've been doing this too long. <laughs> no, my, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. I'm no, out, fam. No, I'm out, I'm out. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> it's my round. I just got to the bar. I just got to the jacks there. How about the how about the, how about the back in Yeah. Uh, but yeah, look a good win for for Ismagayev anyway. I always fuck his up his name. It's actually Is Gamma. What is it? Is Gachmayev. I think I don't it's know. Gamayev. I always, I always um, Just shout out to Cosmo Alexander. Obviously, he dipped his toe in, in mixed martial arts. There he produced someone. an unbelievable performance and then retired afterwards got the 50k celebrated like hell if you're going to go out if you're going to go out you go out like Cosmo Alexandra absolutely sicking a guy with an inside elbow knock him out cold retire get 50k and walk off into the uh, into the sunset what was it again this was the best three shot combination I've seen in a long time so it was the front kick, body shot, elbow was it? I have it in my notes, wherever they are. But this, if you haven't seen this, not good, unreal. And also, it's kickboxing. But Roman Krilika uh, against Is uh, Iraz Azizpor, the heavyweight title. So it's the light heavyweight champion fighting the heavyweight champion. This was the comeback of the year type as well. But this was in king kickboxing, an unbelievable fucking scrap. This was really really good. I tell you, one championship. Put on some really exciting shit. They're really not all MMA, but I guarantee you. Like when I say, you know, what I look for in cards, you know, do I feel satisfied after watching every single time? One cards just deliver. To be fair, they do. The rules. It's the the way they want the fighters to fight. 
they're leaning on excitement. You know, where we're we're in a, we're in an age with MMA right now where yeah. it's kind of uh, entertainment, maybe over excitement, but. Uh, that's it. Not I, in one championships. <laughs> I've been watching so much one championship recently. I was watching the Cage Warriors fight tonight and I was like, name the head on the, on the ground. <laughs> I know, I, I know. Fuck away, he can. But, uh, and Guess them into one championships who have turned Sean Sheehan into a kickboxing, kickboxing fan. Kickboxing we thought we never experts, could do it. Kickboxing aficionado, I would call myself now. Grappling as a. Did you see this? Own, uh, oh, let's fuck up his name. Onglan Nasang. I think I got it right. Onglan Nasang. He. Look, Yushinokami was the ghost of Yushinokami. He looked absolutely horrendous. But Angla landed a lovely knee from side control. Oh, no, from half guard. He landed a knee to the head from half guard. Just imagine that now. It was, uh, he landed a knee on the way down. He landed another knee to the body from side control. And I don't know if it was half guard or kind of just a far away side control. But it was like it was like a hook knee on the ground. Something you'd never see in any other promotion. It wasn't, it wasn't massive or anything like that, but it was a cool shot. But he got the win there back on, uh, back on form. Like, Rene the Ritter is fighting as well in two weeks' time. So, like, there's a lot of those lads we just mentioned there. They could be fighting him as well. Very interesting to see where we go. Shock of the weekend was probably Song Hung Won. Uh, Woo beat Yuka, uh, Yuya Wakamatsu. Um, Yuya has only lost in the last few years to Adriana Morais and Demetrius Johnson in the last, let me look at it here, last five years, four years. So that was a big, big win there for Sun Hun Wu. Uh, just kind of came out, pushed Wakamatsu backwards and he couldn't get back on and ended up mounting him and ground pounding him. Uh, Wu Il Kwan got a win over Mark Abelardo as well. That was the third round. There was knees on takedowns all weekend. There was one in the UFC. There was one in Cage Warriors. Angla Nsang, Angla Nsang got one. So did uh, Wu Il Kwan here against Marco Bellardo. This is a bit of a questionable stoppage. I thought it was good, to be honest. But he kind of face-planted and the fight got finished there. And, uh, yeah, after that then, there was um, Bruno Pucci, who I think is the other half of Angela Lee. He ended up losing to Kirill Gorobets. Uh, unanimous decision in that one. Uh, and that was all the MMA. Oh, no, uh, Ahmed. Ian, I, I'm going to ask you about this. Ahmed Muchtab, I don't know if you saw this, beat uh, Abru Arim Magalesh. He got a triangle choke, and it was a leg-in triangle choke. I've never seen that before. So he triangled him, and your man's own leg was in the triangle choke. I was like, she would is, that not give I you more space? It. Would that not give you more space, no? I don't know. Sometimes maybe when you squeeze in a particular way, it might kind of, I don't know. I haven't seen it, so I'm not even going to try and give an, an uneducated opinion from someone who hasn't even seen it. So I don't know. I, that was the one that was on like really early in the morning and I haven't got the chance to go back and watch it yet, but uh, I, I'll have to go back and check it out and, and maybe Harry Powell will be the guy that would ask for that. He'd give us the proper breakdown. Hold on, we have it here. We have it here. It's gone into the chat now, so you can we'll do a, we'll do a live fucking watch along here of this uh, of this triangle. Two seconds now. I'm sending it. Here we go. So it's up on the uh, if if it's up on the one championship. Yeah, um, it's up on the one championship uh, Twitter. So we're watching it. Le- obviously, one arm arm in head in, but also leg in. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. It's like that squeeze. He's squeezing with his arms. Yeah, it looks pushing, like pulling the head down. He, his arm on one side uh, is kind of cutting off the, the airflow on one side and the leg is normal. But yeah, yeah you would think... The leg would give him space. Yeah. Like that left leg is stuck in there in the triangle. 
Yeah, it's know. just a strange one. It was definitely yeah. the squeeze that done it anyway. Like it was, he was kind of pulling his head into the guy's own left arm there. I don't, do you know what? I don't and, think that's a triangle. I think that's no. like a Dick Platter or something. Like, I think he's like pulling him into his <laughs> groin. Like, I genuinely think that that's not a triangle, like, is it? Because. No, the, it doesn't look like one. He's pulling his, I think it's like pulling the head down. I think it's like the, the esophagus or whatever actually getting pulled into your man's pelvis and the head being pulling him down that's choking him. Like, there's he too much room there. He could his cup smartly there. Yeah, it's a yeah. very, it's a very peculiar one. Yeah. And normally you don't think that one like that would kind of cause a submission but yeah it's uh, definitely not yeah uh, the, you know, what do you want to call it the dick joke are we dick going joke. to name it here now cock joke <laughs> <laughs> the cock yeah and I think we will think we will live at that right quickly here now we'll because we've already done this on the chase of pack but um let's look ahead to PFL the championship um fight this is are you doing a preview show this week? If we're doing a preview show, we should fucking do it for this because this is fucking brilliant. I don't know, maybe not. I, I don't want to be making podcasts live on the fucking uh, on the show or anything. We'll see, we, we won't say anything in stone we yet, but we'll, pay, we talk, we'll talk after. We'll, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. So many great fights. Kayla Harrison, Pacheco for the third time. Pacheco, the only person to go to the decision with Kayla Harrison twice. Can she do it for a third time and lose again? It's probably the biggest question here. We bring in Lachnan against Bubba Jenkins for the £145 uh, belt and a million pounds. Anti Deja at heavyweight against Matthias Scheffel. Uh, then. Uh, uh, and that's for the, the million pounds as well a non-championship fight Julia Budd against Aspen Ladd which is a great fight uh, then for the, the tournament finale at Lightweight uh, Stevie fucking Ray against Olivia Aubon Mercier at 170 we have Daniel Taylor, Taylor against Sadabu Sai probably the fight that no one saw coming uh, in that especially Daniel Taylor who's only had one fight uh, to, to get there Amari Ekmadov and Rob Wilkinson at 205 who've been stars of the PFL this year and then we have a lot of undercard fights as well with Jeremy Stevens and Nathan Schultz Shemin Rice against Marlon Rice uh, after Shane Burgos fall, fell out of that we've Magomed Magomed Karibov taken off uh, taken on um, Gleason Thibaut Dakota Decheva as well as on the card so this is a phenomenal phenomenal card really we're talking about the chasing pack and there's probably not a better card that any promotion can put on than this I would say it's right up maybe Bellator maybe one championship to put all their best fighters on it but this is basically what we have here this is all the championship level fighters in PFL that have reached that level through winning fights this year which is a very honourable meritocratical I just made up a word there way of getting there but uh, some cardian Unreal card. Look, we talked about lack of jeopardy in the UFC card earlier on. I think this card has all the jeopardy. It's taken Millie's, all the jeopardy. Millie's on around the place. <laughs> Millie's going all over the place. Little Wayne will be kind of throwing Millie's all over the place. I'm a million here, a million there. So, so, uh, go. Yeah, brilliant. I that's what you know what PFL should use that and maybe 100%. not even get little Wayne to get do it. Me, just I get do you it. To come in and sing it. <laughs> oh, I love look that at, even if you don't know the fighters or you're not familiar with the fighters here, tune in. They're fighting for a million quid. You know what I mean? It's huge stakes and fighting for a chance. That's life changing money. We're talking about fighters getting paid more, wanting to get paid more. Well, here they are. Let's support it. Now, I think the card overall is really good and um 
I think even the prelims have some interest in fights on as well. Obviously, Dakota Tacheva is a really hot prospect coming from the UK and Ireland in the women's flyweight division. Um, she's uh, she's definitely one to look at. Magomed Magomed Karimov is fighting Gleson Tebow. Always an interesting fights. We have Netan Schulte, who's a former PFL champion uh, in 2018, maybe 2019 as well, taking on Jeremy Stevens. The Battle of the Marises, Shaman versus Marlon, who's making his uh, PFL debut. It'll be interesting to see how Marlon bounces back after you know after his retirement it's and getting good, knocked out. It's a good fight for I, him to come back to, I suppose. I, I was just going to say, and much better matchup than Shane Burgess would have been um, and Omari Akhmedov and Rog Wilkinson that opens up the card brilliant brilliant in the light, uh, light heavyweight division and all the way through it right. is really good obviously that extra interest we'll have in Stevie Ray and Brendan Lochnane mm-hmm. it's great to see them boys getting in and getting their opportunity and getting a crack at the belt and at the million as well and both of them have chances to win in those fights too let's give our picks for the championship fights let's do it here Gela Harrison and Larissa Pacheco Harrison I'm going for a Harrison finish this time I think she'll want to yeah. get the finish after the decision Lachnan and Jenkins we were talking about this the other day Jenkins is the underdog here and I, I was I look Brendan Lachnan was so good in his last fight I can understand it in a way but I probably you know what the betting makes me want to pick Jenkins like it's almost like the heart and the head says Lachnan almost very close fight, but the pocket might say Bubba Jenkins here. I'm I'm really torn on this one. Really torn. Absolutely, yeah. It's it, if you're if you like betting on a live dog, definitely Bubba Jenkins is here. Look, he is the what you could say on paper the perfect style to beat someone like Brendan Lochnane, who's going to want to kind of just fight on the feet, get off his strikes there, and you know, kind of sprawl and brawl per se, if you want to call it that. Uh, Jenkins has serious wrestling credentials. You know, he holds a win over uh, Bo Nickel, I think, in, in wrestling. Obviously, it's different translating over to MMA. But look, at he knows what he has to do. Brendan Lochnane knows not what he has to do. Uh, and it's going to be, if the fight is going to be won and lost on, on where it's controlled, whether it be on the mat, whether it be on the feet. I think with Lochnane, he's going to probably be successful in the early stages with his takedown defense. Um Will Jenkins slowly but surely wear him down and will it be enough to take the fight? I'm not sure. Going to my head, I'm going to pick Lachnane to get the decision win. I'll go with the same because I picked an Irish man to win a PFL tournament this year and he wears the Irish jersey and I will argue that till death comes home with Graham <laughs> and, and the Fosfa on the, on the end of the year show like we always do this year. And Brendan Lachnane has actually replied to a tweet of mine saying that it counts. So that's 100%. Come on, Brendan, let's do it. Dejan Sheffield, I, I think Dejan will win that. I think he's wrestling as well as he's striking a bit too much. But we know after this year, never rule out Matthias Sheffield. Fucking knocked out Bruno Capeloza or beat Bruno Capeloza anyway. You going with Dejan that one? Yeah, I'm going to go with Deja. But like you said, that's it's been some turnaround because me and you had a conversation when we first saw I Sheffield thought he was fight. Useless. I thought he, he was useless. Like, he was not good and he looked, it looked like he was looking for a way out of the fight as well. But by goodness, he's he's turned it around, and he he has a, he obviously look at we're talking about heavyweights. He has a chance here to kind of clip Deja, but I think it's going to be uh, Deja that'll, that'll get the win. Yeah, I I think look, I think this is five. These are five rounds, aren't they? Actually, that's interesting. Yes. Yeah. Um, I think Olivia Oba Mercia is probably going to win the decision over Stevie Ray. I just like Oba Mercia is probably what the PFL don't want in terms of like he's a bit boring and but good at the same time. Uh, I yeah, I, I can kind of see not not having this fight is not as unbalanced in kind of stylistically as maybe, maybe Bubba Jenkins and Lochnane, but you would imagine, as you said, 
uh, Olivier Aubin Mercier is going to be looking to try and take down Stevie Ray, put him on his back and land damage. But that's not going to be easy to do either. Stevie Ray is very good at takedown defense. I think they match up quite evenly on the feet and stylistically, I think I said on the chase and pack as well, they're very similar stylistically as well. It's just going to be who's going to want it more on the night, who's going to perform better on the night. Um, that could be the, the difference maker in that fight. I'm going for Sadabusi and I'm going for Rob Wilkinson to win. I know you're a fan of Taylor. You going for him, you going for C and who you who you going for two or five? Do you know C and Taylor is close. Uh, Taylor has kind of swung in one relatively easy against Rory McDonald. So and that helps not him, that, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah, he's not that battle worn. And I you know, this is a real kind of a toss up. Uh, and you know, I'm interested to see the betting. I'm not sure if you if you have the betting there, but if Taylor was an if a Taylor was an underdog here, I'd probably be throwing a few quid on him. But Sadabusai is dangerous and he's dangerous throughout the fight. So I mean for freshness and for lack of damage taken in recent uh, fights, I'd probably go with Danny O'Taylor if he was a good price. Very close in the betting. Plus one forty for Taylor, C is minus one sixty. So very close. C is just about the favourite. Yeah, I think that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, indeed. And uh, 205 or Mary Akhmadov or uh, Wilkinson. I, I like Wilkinson in that one, I must say. I do, yeah. I like I like Wilkinson, but these two can be just kind of thrown into madness in fights as well, so anything could happen. But Rob Wilkinson has been on a steady run, run of form, and I, I kind of fancy him for this one as well. I think Akhmadov is probably more well-rounded, a bit, little bit better on the ground, but I'd say Rob Wilkinson will probably be able to fend off those takedowns and, and look for the knockout. It'll be interesting to see. That's a close one as well. Indeed, 100%. Right, we leave it there. One more before we go. We've One. never mentioned it for Bellator. Nemkov versus Joel Romero confirmed. Yeah. That's a great fight. And they're doing better against Fader. Fader, Fader, yes, Fader. Fader, Fader. Yeah. Uh, that CBS card is very interesting. Like, there's you see James Gallagher on Twitter today as well. They want me to fight in America. They want me to fight in America. I wonder do they want him on that one. There's like, there's a lot. I don't know. This this Irish Bellator card is, I'll be honest, it's kind of shit so far. Um, I wonder they're just trying to stack the CBS card and actually like the Irish card they're just thinking ah sure that'll sell out anyway we'll put Peter Queeley in there against fucking Ken Musa in the main event and it'll sell out I don't know I don't know it's interesting it's interesting to see yeah it's uh yeah, so far, there's a couple of fights to be matched up as well a couple of interesting ones so far but yeah it's, I mean not really that one that's turning their head like a, a old Romero kind of a fight or, or or a meaningful main event. But look at plenty of time to make those announcements as well. So fingers crossed. I just completely didn't answer your question as well. <laughs> I like Nim- <laughs> Nimkov and Romero is a, is an interesting fight because Nimkov can't fight the way he fought last the last night yeah. against uh, Romero. And look how good Romero looked in Ireland. Like it was a fucking joy to watch him. I know he's fighting Manhoof and everything, but. It's a very, it's an interesting fight. Like we saw Corey Anderson taking down Nimkov over and over in that first fight. His wrestling has obviously improved, but you know, as well last night, my my analysis there of that one was or, or the last night, Nimkov got tired and Corey Anderson wasn't able to take advantage of it. Yoel Romero would be fucking still there in rounds three, four, and five, still throwing. You know, he's two shots around. He'd be there to take advantage of it if he gets too tired. So. Jesus. And he's going to stand, like, I mean, I think, to be honest, even at this stage of his career, that Joel Romero is probably a better version of Corey Anderson in every kind of department. More, kind of more power, 
strong in the rest of the I don't know whether he probably doesn't have the gas tank maybe that Anderson have, but Anderson just was refusing to He doesn't to use his gas on. tank either, does he, though, Yoel? He kind of just stands there and waits. Not, <laughs> not really, no, yeah. not really. He's more, more of an explosive fighter, yeah. but it's like he would probably have to take a few lessons saying that I, I feel that Anderson kind of left a little bit in there where he just had no answers to any of them comes questions. But it'll be interesting to see. Yon Romero is notorious. It could be in a, a barn burner, could be in a stink fest. It'll be interesting to see what he does against Nemkov. Hopefully he comes into it with Romero. It's a chance to win a world title. And it's probably his last chance to win a world title. Hopefully he comes in and throws caution to the wind and, and yeah. we see an absolute crazy fight. Do you give Fedor any chance against Ryan Bader? He got knocked no. out fairly quickly in the first one. Yeah, he's going to get knocked out again, I'd yeah, say. He is, yeah, he is. The, uh, yeah, there's no saving grace, really. The only saving grace... I would say for anyone fighting better is he looked terrible at 205 recently. Like, if he can bring that form up to, up to heavyweight, maybe, but he's been fighting well at heavyweight. So, like, I remember saying recently, all his family should be feeding him fucking Big Macs trying to keep him at heavyweight because he looks so slow at light everywhere. But it's, I mean, it's a tough. strange one for Bellator as well because, of, oh, look, if Bader wins, it's it's all well and good. Fader wins, he's going to retire and the belt is left in limbo somewhat as well. So... Yeah, the interesting to see happy to get it off better, to be honest. Like it is, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But maybe we might see Nemkov go up and challenge for the heavyweight title next, uh, next year or something like that. That yeah. would be, uh, that'd be quite so. interesting if he got past Joel Romero. That heavyweight division is so light as well. Like your man, uh, Steve Mowry, he's gonna be he, he, that was actually in no contest on his last fight, wasn't it? I think he'll be fine for it soon, and I think I think he'll beat better. I think he's really good, but uh, we'll uh, we'll wait and see on that. Uh, I actually just saw as well, I opened up a, a website, an unnamed MMA website there, and apparently Dustin Poirier is like completely cooled on fighting Benil Darius. So I'm like, fuck's sake, the one for <laughs> I like this lightweight division, these bunch of fucking prima donna pricks at the top of that division, they'll only like. Gaethje Chandler and Parry might as well just keep fighting each other over and over and over let the rest of the people fight for the title just fuck off and have your stupid prima donna shit not fighting anyone at the top of that division it really irks me you're holding up the division you're fucking it up for everyone else just piss off piss off the fucking Bellator or something that's great that's it well said justice for Binny we leave it there thanks everyone for listening Ian do you have, a, do you have an inspirational quote for the go on make one up there give it to us uh, it's t- either die a dog or shit the license. We'll see you next week. <laughs>